0: I'm Steve. Um, In case you don't know that, I'm one of the key leaders or main leaders in church life. And um, it's my privilege to come and share with you this morning. Um, Particularly want to welcome you this morning if if you're new to church or you're exploring faith. You are just really welcome here amongst us. We want to be family. We want to be a place where people can discover Jesus. Over the summer, one of the things that has really struck me is people saying, that was the best cricket match of all. OK, because I'm a cricket lover. Ben Stokes winning the World Cup and a test match, fantastic rescue cricket game. That was the best match of all. And maybe you don't identify with that. You Maybe you're saying, that was the best Strictly Come dance I've ever seen. <laughs> Well, maybe that's to come in the autumn. But maybe you've said, well, that was the best film I've ever seen. Or that was the best meal I've ever seen. That, that was just amazing. And, um, you know, we have those moments, don't we? But sometimes I think the emotion of the moment makes that the best one. But actually on reflection... There are other ones that actually are, are better in our lives, or more important, or something. Uh, for me, you know, I, I watched Tolkien on a plane, and it just emotionally kind of wrecked me, as much as I am ever emotionally wrecked. But it did really stir me, and I thought, wow, that moment—that seemed an incredible film. But I wouldn't have said it was my best ever film. Emotion can, and the moment can make it the most important. But sometimes something older is more important. Not the morning, not this morning, I might add, but sometimes when I'm in church and I'm singing, and we're singing about the cross, I'm thinking, what relevance does this have for me? That's an open thought, isn't it? How does this affect the 21st century? How does this really work? It was such a long time ago wasn't it how can it be relevant isn't Brexit more important isn't the meal I'm going to have for lunch isn't my holiday next week more important aren't these things more important to me than the cross the cross is such a long time ago sometimes the emotional moment seems the most important thing but actually something further back is far more important the relevance of the cross really depends on who died and what the result was When one man looking for a hospital in a certain city was murdered, it changed millions of lives, changed world history. It depends on who died. The man I'm talking about is Archduke Franz Ferdinand, the heir of the Austrian Empire. That started the First World War. The relevance and death of Jesus and its result depends on who died and what the result was. To the first followers of Jesus, this was life-changing. This turned their world upside down. They were convinced that Jesus had risen from the dead and that this was the answer to the world's problems. That God had come in Jesus. The creator God had come. And was going to change and rescue the world. Despite it seeming a long time ago. It affected. It has affected our world more than any other event in history. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why was that? Today. Yes, it turned their world upside down. Today we start a series looking at the followers of Jesus from the book of Acts. So let's read together. I'm going to read from chapter 3 and we're going to dot in and out, in and out of bits of chapter 3 and chapter 4. So if you want to kind of stay there in your phone or your Bible or whatever you... You're doing, but it also will be on the screen, so that would be great. So let's read from chapter 3. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. I love the way that Luke, a respected historian, brings out lots of details here and there that we can see that actually by all tests that we would assess historians, that Luke was a very good historian. He says it was three in the afternoon. It doesn't really matter, does it? But he's put that in because he knew that it was three in the afternoon. And now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, again, a detail that's not terribly important to our story, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk and amazement at what had happened to him. The standout story, of course, is the healing of this man. But Peter lays the reason at the name of Jesus. It was clearly Peter believed that the name of Jesus was powerful. Well, if he didn't until that point, he did now, because this man was jumping up and down, wasn't he? The reasons why Peter believed that the name of Jesus were powerful are obvious from the early pages of Luke. Peter believed that Jesus was actually raised from the dead. And second, he knew the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. Or the Spirit of Jesus, you might say. He knew that tangibly. He was a witness, first of all, of the resurrection. In chapter 3, verse 15, it says, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Belief in the resurrection also comes out in chapter 4, when Peter and John were arrested. The reason given for that was the Sadducees... um, who didn't believe in the resurrection, were saying, oh, he's talking about the resurrection. He's, bel- he's saying that the resurrection happens in Jesus. Incidentally, the old Sunday school joke about the Sadducees, because they didn't believe in the resurrection, that's why they're sad, you see. Okay? But if you... Um, anyway, moving on. So the resurrection, there we have, the resurrection... Peter believed in that because he was a witness of it. Also in chapter 4, verse 10. Know then this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Peter believed that Jesus Christ was powerful. He was a witness of it. And history tells us that actually Peter died, on, was crucified upside down in Rome. Because he believed that Jesus did rise from the dead. People don't die for a lie. People die only for things that they believe are true. Peter knew it was true, so he was prepared to die for that. And Peter was actually there. There. 2,000 odd years ago he was there and so he was in a good place to know whether Jesus really did rise from the dead or not he was a witness of course there are many good reasons I I could name and love to talk about but time doesn't let me do that this morning about why the resurrection did really happen the word change of the resurrection why we go about Talking about the cross when it's a uh, a crazy, terrible, horrible, shameful, um, downtrodden symbol. And yet the early Christians went out saying this was some kind of victory. I mean, there's just so many different things. And if you're not going to believe in the resurrection, then you've got to explain for the incredible growth of the Christian church in and amongst um, significant persecution. As someone has wittingly written, um, if you were a Martian looking down on the first century, you would probably think Christianity, would you think that Christianity or the Roman Empire would survive? Probably you wouldn't put your money on a ragtag group of people whose primary message was that a crucified carpenter from an obscure village had triumphed over the grave. Yet it was so successful that today we name our children Peter and Paul and our dogs Caesar and Nero. (laughs) (laughs) Peter believed that the name of Jesus Christ was powerful because of the resurrection. But also I think he believed because he'd seen this man healed. This comes across so strongly, doesn't it? Peter knew a very real experience of Jesus living on through the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. In chapter 3, verse 11, he says, we read, While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Peter knew the power of the Holy Spirit, didn't he? And of course they just had that monumental experience of Pentecost, just a chapter before, where the presence of God had come down upon them with tongues and fire. And wind and had transformed them from <coughs> these fearless, downtrodden people into people of incredible courage. And I've often thought when reading Acts that actually I can believe what's written in Acts because there are all these miracles and so on, because that seems to me in line with this growing church that grew right beyond the the Roman Empire, that survived despite incredible persecution. And and I could give you multiple examples where God has healed people, and they've they've followed Jesus despite persecution. For example, one that I came across this summer from my sister-in-law, she was at a conference where there was an Iranian pastor who was describing some various things that had happened in his life. And he talked about this young lady who was so, distort that, um, so distraught in her life that she had come to that point, sadly, of wanting to commit suicide. And um, she was looking after her mother, who had MS, and um, she said to her mother, I've just had enough, I'm going to commit suicide. And her mother said, before you do that, kill me too. And that night they were watching the telly, and the television flicked onto a Christian channel, and this guy said on the, on the channel, he said, um, I feel that there's someone out there who's wanting to commit suicide, and if that's you, would you phone this number at the end of this programme? So the mother phones this, this, this number at the end, this was in Iran, this, this, this mother phones this number, despite the, her daughter saying, You're crazy, don't do this! Her mother rang this, this phone number and talked to this guy on the end of the phone, and he prayed for this lady. And as he was praying and talking to the older lady on the phone, the younger lady was swearing at this man, swearing at this phone, saying, This is rubbish, I don't want to do this. But in the morning... Her mum, who had MS, and hadn't walked for months and months and months, got out of bed and was able to walk like a normal person. And within a few days, weeks, both of them had fully come to follow Jesus. Because Jesus' name is powerful. And this pastor married this young lady. And there's another story there as well, but, but we don't have time for that. But God is good and Jesus is powerful. The question is, do we really believe this and live out of the reality of a risen, resurrected Jesus? Or do we actually get our day-to-day problems overwhelmed us and not really remember the truer, deeper reality behind what we live in what we're living in. The first followers of Jesus, this was such a momentous event in their lives that it transformed everything they did, and it really did turn the world upside down. So the name of Jesus is powerful. That's so good. But what is the scope of what Jesus wanted to do in the world? What is the consequence of his death and his resurrection? Chapter 4, verse 8, says this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and he's talking before the, uh, the rulers, the Sanhedrin, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this all you you and all the people of Israel it is by the name of Jesus Christ whom you crucified but God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Our modern minds groan, or can groan, at such exclusiveness that Peter says about Jesus that there is no other name by which we must be saved but Jesus. The problem is in our world, tolerance seems to be the number one sort of cultural value. And so it is really a real issue for many people. Just a couple of things to say there. That In most areas of life, truth is narrow. I spoke about this a year ago. You know, 2 plus 2 equals 4. There are, you know, maybe that's just a simple argument, but you know, there's lots of things. You know, whether, whether Jesus rose from the dead or not. He either did or he didn't. You know, you can't have a multitude of different things about that. There's an excellent talk that I want to just point you to by Greg Boyd, where he talks about what is truth. So if that's an issue that you're struggling with, then you might find that helpful. The other thing is that Peter tells us that we must be saved. You see, so it is really important... And I don't know where you stand this morning, and what you're thinking. But if you think about, if there is a God, and he is the creator of life, then not being in relationship with God, and perhaps turning from him, which is what sin is, the consequence of not being in relationship with him, with God, who is the source of life, is it is sin and and death god see see i believe that jesus created the world but actually sustains the world as well and even in the scientific sense i still understand it in that way but if so if we are not with god then the consequences is death and maybe that's really hard and you're struggling with that today but i encourage you to keep struggling with that And you are really welcome here, even if you're struggling with all these kind of things in your life, okay? But I want to think a bit more about the scope of that salvation, because we think about salvation just simply about Jesus forgiving our sins and coming into a relationship with God. And I think the cross achieves something far more and far more amazing than just that. God is in a much bigger business. We can see this by the fact that Peter healed this man. God is interested in healing today. He's about healing and restoring his whole creation. So the word um, that is used of healing this man is sozo. You've got it on the screen there, and is exactly the same word that says everyone must be saved. That word, Greek word sozo, means saved. It means healed, it means delivered, it's about wholeness. If you look at Jesus when he goes round in the Gospels as recorded to us, he is healing people, he is concerned, he has compassion, he is interested not just in our souls for heaven, if you might like to say, but the whole of life, even my everyday work. He is interested in everything and wanting to restore his whole creation, We can see this a little bit, and it's a bit more complicated to to show this fully this morning. But the Old Testament was actually pointing towards the cross and was pointing toward the idea that God was going to restore his whole creation. In chapter 3, if you're still there, you'll see in verse 18 that... Peter talks about how God, has, in Christ, God has fulfilled what he foretold through all the prophets, saying that the Messiah would suffer. In verse 21, it says that heaven must receive Jesus until the time comes for God to restore everything as he has promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Did you notice that Peter talks about God restoring everything? That's God's long-term goal, isn't it? God is wanting to touch every area of life. And then Peter goes on talking about Samuel, about Abraham. It's amazing the number of different Old Testament characters that he's talking about. The hope for the Jews was that their creator God, the only God, the God that had created everything, would one day put all things right. That was what he promised, that was what they really were expecting. It wasn't just about man, it was about the whole of creation. And this is the background to Peter's exclusive statement. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given to to mankind by which you must be saved. The creator, the only God, the creator of all things, was putting things right in Jesus more than that, Jesus was God. Jesus was the embodiment of God come down and actually doing, fixing the biggest problem in our world and cosmos and universe. The scope of Jesus' salvation on the cross is vast. It is, fills and works in everything. Jesus is amazing. He is powerful, but actually he's dealing with the biggest problems in my heart, my life, our lives, our world, our community. He is interested in everything that goes on. Some of you, I I would love to share with you a whole load of healing stories this morning. You know, some of you will know that Sue and I went to, to South Africa and saw a number of different healings, but actually God does that in the UK as well. And Sue was sharing in the summer her testimony of her story about being healed with ME. And that really touched me because I knew that that was true, that that had happened. What I didn't share with you was the story of some of the other stories that from South Africa. For me, one of the poignant moments was... When i was with a group of other people we were going through a township and we came to this sort of this we were going around various houses sharing something of jesus with people and um we came to this little plot of land there was a house to one side there was a tin shack to the to one side and um i and a number of others began to talk to this sort of older teenage guy and um he said that he was a Christian and so on. But he said, um, she said, I've got this tattoo, this 666 tattoo on my on me. And um, so we, he, we said, would you like us to pray for you? And he said, yes. And we, um, so as I went to put my hand on this tattoo, this 666 tattoo, he suddenly went like this and moved all over the place. And um, he was actually, I believe, manifesting an evil spirit. I and mean, maybe that rocks your world, but that's what happened. And by, you know, we were able to sit him down and in the name of Jesus set him free from that, 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 that demonic spirit that was affecting him. Jesus' name is very, very powerful. There is no other name that is powerful of Jesus. But let's ground it a bit more. A few months ago, I went to Germany on work, business. And um, there I was, sat in this room, this conference room. It's boiling hot. Anyway, the, um, and there were six Germans from this company there, and just me. And I was, we were trying to do something together, and they brought up this issue, and I thought, hmm, I don't know what to say. It was a bit intimidating, really. And um, I said, well, let's, let's just park this for the moment, because I'm not sure how to deal with this. My mind was a bit of a spin. But I knew that God was interested in my work, because it says in Colossians that he made all things are made by him and for him, and in him all things hold together. So I said, well, I'll think about that. A bit later on, when I went to the restroom, I prayed. I prayed, God, please help me. I don't really know how to answer this question. And as I thought about it, it, it says in Colossians again that in Jesus is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so as I came back into the meeting, I felt God gave me the answer to deal with that very practical issue, that pro- that practical problem. See, God is good, and he He does things even when we mess up. Anyway, I could tell you another story, but I won't. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> we'll, um, but, you know, it's really really jesus is there in our everyday, and he wants to be with us and help us and for us to be a blessing to the people around us to love people now sure you know not everyone is healed i understand that i've seen that i've been places i've seen that so many times but what i do know is the more that we cry out to god that as we step out in faith as peter did as we take risks as we worship god and we experience more of his presence and as we seek to move closer with him we will see more of the breaking in of heaven on earth in our lives i believe that i can't tell you how much god will break in but what i can tell you is that if i try to do what god has called me to do i will see much more so we have the wonderful scope of Jesus, the incredible encompassing of where he's headed. We have an incredible power that we have in Jesus, and he calls you and I to be the carriers of his presence and his love and his grace and his power into the world. The first Christians believed that. Peter believed that. Did you see that he said, "I silver and gold I don't have... But what I have, I give you. Peter had something. And if you're a Christian, each of us have. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And therefore we can bring transformation. We can touch our society. We can touch people with love because we have the presence of God in our lives. And we too can transform our situations. What I find interesting is this Jesus called his people to follow him, and they were called disciples. Or our modern time best way we might talk about it might be modern-day apprentices are almost sort of living with their their mentors. That's what disciple means. It means means apprentice. But Jesus never talks about church. Uh, maybe some of you will say that's not right, because in fact Jesus. In Matthew 16 says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, yes, our translation says church. But actually the word is ecclesia, which means gathered for a purpose. The origins of ecclesia is Maybe they would call together some people to go and fight. That's the classical Greek interpretation, and it moved on a bit from there. In Jesus' time, it was very much a gathering of city leaders or people for a task, to make a decision and to act. Ecclesia was a group that came together for a purpose. And Matthew could have, but Matthew could have used a different word when he was recording what Jesus said. He could have used the word for what we get synagogue, which actually is a group of people who come together for a religious activity. He didn't use that word, he used ecclesia because I think Jesus wanted to say something different about his gathering of people. The rest of the New Testament writers generally followed Jesus. It is and used ecclesia. It is slightly more complicated than that. and don't have time to say that this morning. But generally speaking, they took the word ecclesia. And that's quite a contrast to the word church. Church means house of God. It comes from Kirk, German, which means a house of God. And a house of God is like a building, something that's static, a place of worship, whereas actually, in fact fact, as we fully know, the church is the people, isn't it? But the church... We're the ecclesia, we're the gathered congregation, the people who come together to do something, to transform our society. That's what Jesus actually had in mind. Jesus actually had in mind that you and I, who carry the presence of the Holy Spirit, would come and change our world. And I love this story because I think it just earths something that we all kind of say, well, I can't do that. Well, listen to this. Um, this is a, a lady in Thailand called Wanlap. <coughs> when Pastor Brian first met her, she was a spirit medium dying of stage 4 cancer. After he had prayed for her, she was instantly healed brian also detected a latent gift for business in her and bought her a three-wheeled motorcycle equipped with an attached ice cream box so if we could have the next slide i think we've got one there we are that's probably not her but you know you can um, see that then for about 10 years she went around telling people about god had healed her but actually had very little result But then she went to a conference and began to realise that she had the Holy Spirit in her and that she could pray for people, she could bless people, she could touch people by the presence of God in her. And so things began to change. One Lup then dedicated her ice cream cart to the Lord and even anointed it as a chariot of fire. The ice cream cones became arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. She laid hands on the cartons of ice cream, asking God that when her patients tasted it, they would also taste the goodness of God. And she began to silently speak peace and blessing over every person she met. And she began to build relationships with people. The the results were amazing. And people actually thought she had changed her brand of ice cream. <laughs> Which is amazing. But what she would do, she would carry her cart like the presence of God everywhere. And she changed the spiritual climate because she was blessing. Because she was praying for people. As she took that cart, she was changing the environment. And, go- and she brought many people to faith simply because she began to realise that idea that she could bless people, that she had the presence of God in her through Jesus. And he speaks in this book, it says that their church grew from 50 to 700 in a year because of people like this lady who began to realise that they had the presence of God in them. Wow. The story goes on that, actually, when she used to go past the principal mayor's office, she would lob a prayer of blessing over, over his wall, okay? Feels a bit like maybe she threw an ice cream, but anyway. Um, anyway, she lobs this blessing over keeps praying for him and thought, well, I'll give him a double blob, because, um, because he's corrupt, apparently. Well, at some point, she met him somehow on the street and invited him to church. And she be- he became a Christian. And so did the, prince, the, the police chief. And they created a fund out of their corrupt bribes that then was able to minister to the poor. See, God can do something through each one of us as we, seek to, we come to him and as we seek him. You see, I believe that Jesus is the same today Yesterday and forever.